On today's episode of My First Concert. One of the guys next to me had not been to see him before, and he goes, Don Henley looks pretty old, and the gal behind us says, that's my husband. (laughs) Pete Eckerlein, longtime friend and former managing director of Eckerlein Wealth Management NYZ on My First Concert. Gosh, Pete, 40 years minimum you were over there before you said, I've had enough, huh? Yeah, just retired last August and uh, been out of it for about a year now. One of the things that you've done through the years has gone to a lot of concerts, and we've got some great stories. Dave Lee here, Brianne is here, and Brianne, you're going to have some great stories today about this guy. Good, He's I can't wait. a lot of different concerts. You and I were at a concert last week. That was an awesome night, wasn't it? Oh my gosh, I mean, that's an understatement. I was blown away by Pamela McNeil and then... Everyone else who's a part of Rumors and Dreams, the cover of Fleetwood Mac band at uh, Chanhassen Dinner, Dinner Theater was where we saw them. But I mean, I was so impressed and I it was a magical night. I love Fleetwood Mac. And for anyone who loves Fleetwood Mac, I would highly recommend going to see this show because it's it's like a love letter to the fans in some ways because it's performed by people who love Fleetwood Mac. So. And the sound is spectacular. They sound just like them. Mm. Like the band could not have been tighter. So yes, you, you very know, impressive. If you have not, you know, you go into some arenas and sometimes the music's too loud or distorted or whatever. It's just, I can't believe how good it is. It was the best bowl of porridge, that's for sure. Our show today is brought to you by StarBank.net. You can check them out on the web when you get a chance. Ten locations right here in Minnesota. And propane, the environmentally friendly energy for everyone. Well, Pete, let's talk about the title of the show. My first concert for you, what was it? Well, it was 1978. Um, It's, I think, to this date, uh, still the largest outdoor concert or concert in Minnesota history. It was uh, out at the Old Met and August 1st, 1978, Eagles, uh, Steve Miller, and Pablo Cruz. It was <laughs> unbelievable. It allegedly started at 6.30 p.m. on your on the ticket, which I see you have with you. Did it start at 6.30? It did not, but we got there a little late anyways. It was kind of a uh, bit of a bit of an odyssey to get to the concert. Tell me about that. Well, I, I woke up in the morning in Ladysmith, Wisconsin. I was 17 years old, and my brother called. You know, there's no cell phones or anything back then. He calls up, and he says, hey, I just got a couple tickets from KQRS on the radio to this big outdoor concert, and I've got to work. Is there any chance you'd want to go? And I looked down the garage, and the cars are all gone. My mom and dad were at work. And I yeah. said, yes, I'm in. <laughs> and I started thinking, and I knew a friend that was in Menominee, a good friend of mine. That he was already a year older. He was started, He was just starting college. And I said, I called him, and he said, you get to Menominee, and I'll drive. So I started hitchhiking. And I'd never hitchhiked <laughs> before in my life. And Probably haven't ever done it again since. Uh, yeah. Met some interesting people. Sure. But I ended up getting to Menominee and hooking up with him and getting to the uh, getting to the show probably about 20 minutes, half hour late because we had to stop by my brother's place in Dinkytown. And, of course, I don't have MapQuest or anything. I'm no, trying no. around. I'd, I'd been to the cities like twice in my life for the boat show. And you don't have a cell phone. No cell phone. And uh, trying to figure out, he left him in a a little mailbox outside his place. And we were wondering if they were going to be taken or whatever. But we got there and got them and... Figured out where the Met was, so we had looked at the map beforehand, and uh, I'd never been to Met Stadium before except yeah. for a Twins game when I was about 10 years old when they brought the Little Leaguers down here, so it was yeah. pretty crazy. Not whole day. Uh, 494 and uh, Cedar. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you get to the concert a little bit late, as typical in those days, and never started on time, but it's my understanding, Pete, from what I've heard stories of, that the crowd was massive. 
A crowd was saved, reported anywhere from 63 to 65,000, and I think it could have even been more. The whole infield was full of people. It was just crazy. And, um, you know, it was big demand that obviously Steve Miller had the Fly Like an Eagle album a couple of years earlier, and he was big. And, and then the Eagles had come out with Hotel California about oh a year before that. And this wow. was called the Hotel California Tour. And Pablo Cruz was up and coming. So the place was packed. And of course, it was easier to get in back then. You didn't have all the security checks of bags, you know, just like concert sports events today is. It's just like a rush of people and uh, they tore your ticket. It was pretty crazy. Did And you saved the ticket, obviously. Yeah. Uh, where did you sit or stand? We actually stood. We were our seats were not the best, but actually not bad. KQ had pretty good seats, but they were on the sides. We got started walking down. They had no security. There was just a big mosh pit. Storms were rolling through all night. Oh, no. Yeah, it was very wet and muddy, and uh, a lot of people wanted to be trying to stay under any type of awning or whatever, and we just said, we're here for the show, and we ended up about half hour to get towards probably 20, 30 yards from the uh, stage. Was there, was there lightning? Were you getting lightning strikes? And did the band play on? The band played on. There was a little <laughs> bit, but it was mostly thunder. We didn't see a yeah. lot of lightning, but a lot of rain. And it kind of rolled through every half hour, 45 minutes. It was pretty crazy. Were people dressed for rain, or was it like Woodstock? It was a little bit more like Woodstock, <laughs> I think. Although I saw some people with some plastic bags and yeah. ponchos, but a lot of people were just... Let's be wet. It was warm. So, uh, you know, August 1st in Minnesota, pretty warm. And so it wasn't uh, too bad, but we were wet. Yeah. And you were kids. And so, so what, right? It didn't matter. I was uh, started school a month from now. I said, this is an adventure. I'm, I'm really going to enjoy it. Yeah. No kidding. What'd your folks say when they found out you hitchhiked to Menominee? I actually didn't tell them till I got back. I left a note, you know, once again, there's no texting. And of course my dad wouldn't have been wanting to get bothered at work saying, what do you mean you're going to a concert? I actually was lifeguarding at the beach in town, Memorial Park Beach, and I ended up calling uh, one of the other lifeguards to take my spot that day. And, you know, we, we actually drove back to Menominee that night, and then I uh, got a ride uh, from another friend back to Lace with the next day. So I just told my folks I was I was gone. Mark had gotten the concert. He'd already, I think, called them to tell him he'd won these tickets. He's real excited. You know, anything free. Yeah. Anything free on the radio is a big deal. So. Yeah. Pretty crazy. <laughs> what uh, uh, what time did you get home that night? We got back to Menominee probably at about three in the morning. By mm. the time we, you know, to get our car and to figure out where everything was and the traffic, you it, were still was, jacked up though. It probably. was it was so exciting. It was a great show and uh, it was really fun. So when you saw the Eagles and Hotel California was a massive album, iconic still to this day. Were you an Eagles fan or did that kind of cement? Your kind of devotion to that band. Well, you know, they had come out in, I think, um, a few years before that, one of these Nights album and had some, you know, Tequila Sunrise, Take It the Limit. They had some hits on there. Oh, yeah. And so I liked the Eagles. Uh, didn't know as much about them and obviously wasn't, you know, there'd been some changes to the band. Timothy Schmidt had joined them. Joe Walsh had joined them. So it was a little the different. The local guy was gone. Remember we had a yep. Minnesota guy was in it. Bernie, Bernie was Bernie Ledden. Yeah. yeah. Bernie Ledden. And, and that's, uh, that's an interesting uh, story. I think Bernie though. left just before Hotel California album came out. Yeah. Because he wanted him to go more country and they went a little more rock and roll and, uh, he left the band and then obviously the issues with some of the other Felder and Meisner were pretty well documented in various uh, shows and stuff that there was a lot of, uh, let's say, uh, strife in the band. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah. I've seen the documentary. It, it, Hell the freeze is over. Yeah. <laughs> the money had to be so good that they just, I, I don't know. But anyway, so tell me about more of your Eagles concerts because you didn't, you saw more of them. Uh, after, actually, after the Eagles, I became a huge fan. 
and would uh, find out wherever they were playing around the the area here, the Midwest, whether it be in Minnesota or Milwaukee, whatever area, and saw a number of concerts. I actually had a group of friends who would always go. We'd kind of, we'd see the Eagles were doing something, and we'd go, uh, go see them, and uh, it was just great. In fact, one time we were... About 10 years ago, 15 years ago, maybe we were watched them here in the cities and they were so good. We'd found out they're playing at Summerfest in Milwaukee the next week. And we arranged to go play Whistling Straits, go golfing one day and then go to the concert. And it was just a terrific thing. And a good friend, Rick Bourne, who was friends with Glenn Fry, got us tickets. So they were obviously pretty good seats. And we sat down in our seats and they came out. One of the guys next to me had not been to see him before. And he goes, Don Henley looks pretty old. And the gal behind us says, that's my husband. <laughs> so it was uh, kind of crazy. And then we had backstage passes. It was kind of crazy. And the backstage pass meant we got to stand there. And the band came ra- running by and slapped us five, jumped in the limo, and away they went to uh, their next gig. So it was, uh, oh. it was a fun time, though. I'm sure you don't recall whatever your friend had to come back with once he had insulted Don Henley's age. Yeah. What, what do you say to his wife then? Hey, I uh, just kidding. Or? Yeah. Does anybody need a drink? <laughs> does anybody need a drink? Cause I think the line, can I get you ladies, anything behind yeah. us? There are a few of them. I don't know if they're all his family uh, or other ones, uh, but it was uh, definitely in the family section. But when he sings, he sounds like he's 25. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I said, must be the light on stage. Uh, so how many times have you seen the Eagles? I'll bet you 25 now at least. I was trying to figure that out when I came here. I looked at their concert schedule online. I think I've seen them probably 25 times. The last time I saw them was interesting and uh, a, a real cool experience. A friend uh, was going to Sioux Falls to see him at the Sanford Center, and um, he was flying over. He had leased a, a plane or whatever, and um, he had some people going. And unbeknown, you know, I got invited, which is kind of crazy, and we get there. And he says, when we're done, he's looking when we land and we're getting off. He says, when we're done, you'll be able to see the band. I said, what do you mean? And he looks over and the plane next to it is like tail numbers, like three, nine, six HC. He said, that's hotel California. He said, that's, <laughs> that's the team. That's and Sure enough. When the thing ends, we rush out to get back to Minneapolis and all of a sudden they're running across the tarmac <laughs> to their plane. It was, it was kind of surreal. So man. pretty neat. But and of course you followed all of their, uh, tales of, of uh, misery with one another, it sounds like. I mean, at yeah. least the documentary. And I, I read uh, Felder's book, too, a, a while, years ago. But there were a lot of issues with that band, which is, uh, you assume as a fan when you hear them, obviously, that boy, it's like a, a, a sports team. Right. You just assume everybody likes each other. Yeah. But and having traveled that route a little bit, that's not the case. No, and obviously Felder... The infamous scene on stage where they're going to beat each other up after the uh, <laughs> yeah. after the show, and they're going back and forth right during the thing that was documented in the movies. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, but yeah, there was a lot of it, you know. And they sounded good though. Well, I think they sounded great. And Glenn Fry and you know Don Henley, I think most people would agree they were the talent. They wrote most of the songs and were the leads on most of them. So I think they decided after a while, let's split the pie a little differently. And mm-hmm. some of the people said, "Hey, we were there at the beginning. Let's not." And uh, that led to it's. Uh, money money gets to be a pretty powerful thing with a lot of these uh, businesses, bands, whatever, and I think that was uh, somewhat of their undoing. And there was probably some creative differences. Like uh, you mentioned, Bernie, he did want to go more country yep. and stuff because I think they all started as a backup to Linda Ronstadt. So, you know, they kind of had that background, and they are friends with J.D. Souther and Jackson Brown, and so yep. they had a little bit different uh, different background. Yeah, gosh, it was time of the probably influenced by Flying Burrito Brothers and bands like that back in the day. Yeah, yeah, they all met at the Troubadour, I guess, out in L.A. And I guess it's interesting. Uh, I read one of the books. Steve Martin, the comedian, 
was really a good friend with most of them. It was kind of funny. They were all coming up at about that same time. Oh, yeah, and they probably all lived in that part of California, uh, uh, the valley. What can I think of the name of the valley? Uh, Laurel Canyon. Thank you very much. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah, there's another documentary on Laurel Canyon. Very interesting. All the rock stars, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, we're talking with Pete Eckerlein. Pete is a, uh, a great fan of not only the Eagles, but other uh, concerts that he's been to. We're going to chat more about that. In just a second, I do want to talk about our environment, which we're all buzzing about, obviously, for very good reasons. But you may not know about propane and what it does. And you do know that reducing carbon emissions is good for all of us. But how in the heck are we going to reduce these emissions? And yet we have to meet the world's increasing energy needs. Well, propane its an excellent way to reduce emissions and yet meet those energy needs we're all talking about. Propane is a clean, non-toxic energy source, helps reduce carbon emissions, Propane's carbon intensity score here in Minnesota's 80. Keep that in mind now because grid electricity in Minnesota, that's wind and solar included, has a much higher carbon intensity score of 136. So there you go. That's pretty fascinating news. If you don't know much about propane, just that little item right there will tell you a lot about it. Much cleaner than electricity. And then there's abundance of propane too. And growth of renewable propane means it can be used for generations down the road. So millions of us rely on propane, whether you're heating your home with it, your business, you're fueling your vehicle on road and off, and a lot more than that, does make propane really the right energy right now. So think about that. I'd find out more about what propane can do for you and the environment by going to propane.com. This is my first concert. Dave Lee here with Brianne. Pete Eckerlein is uh, with us. Pete's been a longtime friend, and a long time we've chatted about concerts many times. I made him come in. Said you got to tell me about sticks and when you saw them at the was it the Wisconsin State Fair? Yeah, the Northern Wisconsin State Fair actually in Chippewa Falls. Uh, shortly thereafter, I uh, got kind of wow, this concert stuff's kind of fun. And uh, back then, of course, tickets were eight ten dollars, a little different than they are today for the kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, um, and festival seating, festival seating. Yeah, there were open seating, <laughs> which was trouble waiting to happen. <laughs> it was a fight every two minutes, but it was uh, it was fun. And I went and saw Sticks uh, after they had. Uh, started uh, play they'd come out with the uh Lorelei and light up were the first couple of hits and uh went to some and ironically i'm going tomorrow night to see ario speedwagon and sticks at the uh state fair all these years later and you know we've got the obviously the tommy shaw version the, the dennis DeYoung version sure. another another band that went separate ways but yep. but you guys still got kevin cronin with ario don't yeah, you and he's absolutely. amazing yeah. yeah and and yeah i mean He's, he's done so much. Uh, I mean, I just love love them. When I was in college, REO was a really big deal. And ironically, they're one of the few bands I haven't seen. So I'm very excited to see them. Oh, you have not seen them ever? Nope, I have not seen them. Well, that'll be exciting. And I want to say a big thank you to the Minnesota State Fair's grandstand who gave us some tickets that we were lucky to give to a lucky winner uh, to go see REO and Sticks tomorrow night. So, really? Thanks, grandstand. <clears throat> wow. Yeah, That well, Kevin Cronin... The last time I saw him, which wasn't that long ago, or heard him, it was pre-COVID. He sounded great. I couldn't get over it. Yeah. I just saw an, actually a clip of him. I have a friend who um, is going through tough times with some health issues, and it was his 60th birthday, and I don't know how they arranged it. I think from another person here in town, he wished him a happy birthday uh, and heard you're going through tough times, get better, look forward to seeing you in a few weeks. Apparently, he's a huge REO fan. Oh, wow. So they reached out to Kevin, and he did that. And uh, so I'm excited to see him. They're one of the few uh, few I haven't seen. Yeah, Illinois band. Yeah, Rockford, I believe, right? Yeah. Well, I think so. I think that's yeah. uh, the area they're from. But, uh, man, so good. Well, that'll be, that'll be a great uh, concert for you to see and finally get to see him yeah. as well. 
Okay, so you see sticks at the Wisconsin State Fair. Boy, did they tour a lot, didn't they? Yeah. They were everywhere. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they were playing all the time. In fact, I've seen them a number of times, five or six, not like uh, not like the Eagles. The Eagles are probably my favorite band of all time and um, obviously uh, been around a long time, and especially when I was growing up in the 70s and 80s was really their heyday, and, uh, and they just kept it going all those years. You know, on this show, we've talked to entertainers themselves, people that have been in some of these bands that we talk about, and, of course, they never really got to see other bands perform because their job was to go out. So this is... It's good for them to hear what fans like us go through to see them. Uh, other concerts, Pete, that have, that have been interesting to you? Oh, boy, there have been a lot of them. Uh, probably ones that come to mind the most is uh, Prince. Um, you know, our local uh, – I, I used to live in Chanhassen when Prince was uh, first uh, becoming a national story. I lived about two miles from him, and we'd run into him. This was before he built Paisley Park and everything. We'd run into him at Lion's Tap having a hamburger or picking mm-hmm. up usually. He'd be driving his purple motorcycle around. You know, everybody saw in Purple Rain and stuff. But I got invited by a friend. Sharon Sales Belton was running for mayor, and she apparently went to high school with him. And they had a private party out at his place uh, for 200 people. And we somehow got invited and saw him there. And, and then when he started in Vegas, my wife and I were in Vegas. We went, and he was supposed to start at 11, uh, 11 p.m. And his first show in Vegas showed up about 2.30 <laughs> and played till 5.30. And uh, a little bit frustrating. But yeah. And then we... Uh, oh, he was notorious for that. Yeah, yeah. and did it. And then we saw, him, of course, some of the big venues. But then some good friends invited us to see him at the Dakota. And we went two nights in a row and watched the shows at the Dakota when he was here with Third Eye whatever his backup band was called at the time. And then we used to see him downtown once in a while back in the day when we'd be running around, run into him at the fine line or somewhere with his entourage or whatever. And occasionally, yeah, occasionally Timberwolves game. And he'd go out and listen to music himself. And, uh, but he was, he was someone we really enjoyed. I mean, we were at that uh, concert at, uh, at, uh, his residence. He must've played eight different instruments and, um, I mean, just a unbelievably talented individual. And from what I hear from people in the community, just did a lot in the Chanhassen area and uh, was really, his loss is really felt out there, not just musically, but he supported a lot of things. Out quietly, yeah, quietly supported. Very quietly, yeah, yeah, which is kind of nice to hear. Well, Gerilyn Steele was on the show, was, uh, and she was talking about at the Dakota, and Prince had rented out the entire balcony that night. He didn't, you know, he just wanted it. He didn't say he was going to be there. And she said she looks up and she sees him and, and she said, I couldn't help keep staring up the whole concert when he was sitting up there watching us. Uh, but it, it, that's what he liked to do. And um, I've mentioned on this show before, I got to know one of his bodyguards pretty well. Uh, he was a fitness trainer as well. So I'd run into Julius and he would tell me those stories before I even knew it about how Prince would, they'd just want to go over to bunkers or want to go to, as you said, the fine line or whatever. He just wanted to see other people perform. Mm-hmm. And Mick Sterling told a great story one time about, he was performing at the Chanhassen, and and he's he's apparently on the guitar, as Mick told it, and he had his eyes closed, and he's jamming, and all of a sudden, he said he hears a guitar that he didn't recognize, and it's his show. <laughs> he looks over, Prince had jumped on stage and was starting to play with wow. him. Wow, wow, so, that's unbelievable. Well, it's just cool that he had those humble roots, mm-hmm. you know, that he was, uh, he, he really liked being here as well. Other bands... Uh, Fleetwood Mac, it was, it was great. You talking about uh, rumors out there and uh, the uh, cover band for them out at the Chanhassen Dinner Theater that you saw that was so good. I've seen Fleetwood Mac a number of times. And obviously, one of my favorites was when they brought back Christine McVie 
uh, brought her back. Uh, you know, she, oh, didn't, yeah. she didn't travel forever. I was and, at that show. And I, and I was at the show as well. And it was just great to hear her again with the band and stuff. And cause she sang so many of their songs that I liked and, uh, it was great, but they're they're probably in my top two or three. I remember when Rumors came out, the Rumors album in like 1977. Everybody at school was listening to it. Oh I was yeah, a junior in high school, and yeah, and they were uh, they were great. Um, we did our Stevie Nicks fix when she was on MTV doing the videos. Absolutely, <laughs> and that's about when NP- MTV really got going yeah, too. Yeah, I sure did. It was uh, a lot it of was twirling. Fun. A lot of twirling. Yeah, <laughs> she's still at that spin room, not quite as quick, but she still uh, she still spins around a little bit. But she's uh, fantastic. And that that band is so good. And once again, you got Lindsey Buckingham and them. They're all going separate ways. We actually were in Hawaii a few years ago, and uh, we're at uh, Maui. And um, uh, Mick Fleetwood has a restaurant there, and we happened to catch on a night that he was in there, actually checking stuff out or whatever. Wow. So that was pretty impressive. Just uh, I've been I've seen him from a hundred yards so many times. It was fun to just see him there, just socializing with the people and. Laying back, kicking back, you know, the, the beat of the of Fleetwood Mac for all those years. You'll have to read his book. I think you'd really find it. I've read it. It's. I think you'd really enjoy it, given your background. Him and the bassist both live in Hawaii together, I think, like right next door to each other. Okay. And they just love living out there. And that's John, the, the I think John McPhee, right? Yep, right? Yeah, yep. yeah, absolutely. Yep. The wow, spoils of their great... rich, riches, just enjoying it. It was there, a nice so. place. I, bet. I would have to say yeah. that. <laughs> you know, you wonder about Stevie Nicks. What would happen to her if Lindsey Buckingham hadn't said, I'll join if, as long as I can bring her with me? Yeah. You know, that'd be crazy. You know, she was. She was at one of the concerts in St. Paul, and she reached out. She was apparently married to someone from Minnesota for 80 days or something, and he was at the show, and she did Landslide, I think, to him. She said, I just wanted my first husband's here tonight, and he works in one of the northern suburbs, and uh, she was married to him for like 70 days or three months or six months or something, and he was at her show. It was pretty cool that, uh, you know, thinking about what a life she may have had. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Staying in Minnesota. Yeah, well, Jackson Brown's mom is from St. Paul. But this is a good music state. Very good. I read something about Minnesota music again the other day. Pete Eckerlein's our guest. This is my first concert. We'd love to have you on the show, folks. If if you uh, would love to join us sometime, let us know. That would be great. I do want to thank our friends at Star Bank. I should call them all-star. I mean, they do everything out there. The the people at starbank.net are great. And uh, at Star Bank, they do a lot of... uh, ag lending they have through the years and if you're in that business you know you got to pivot you got to make a quick move you got to call an audible pete you were a basketball player you just got to all of a sudden realize that one plan isn't going to work you got to go the other way and this is what they do at star bank daily but not just an ag they do everything obviously and now they have locations right here in minneapolis in st paul out in eden prairie 10 locations in minnesota uh they have Grown up in their communities, and they've invested in those communities. We're just talking about artists investing in their communities. This is something Star Bank has done for years. They have that agility. They have those quick-moving parts. They help you with business decisions. Starbank.net is really the simplest way to get to the web to get to information about them on their website and find out what they do. Technology is important, obviously. So the apps and all the things you need technologically is there. But I think what's really cool is that you can walk in the bank, and if you're in there uh, a time or two, they're going to know you. What's interesting is I find out that you're going to know them too. Bottom line is they're really good at what they do. Find out more. You can do your own research at starbank.net. They're a member of FDIC, an equal housing lender, and yeah, they are really good at what they do. Starbank, in fact, it's our bank here at Talk North. This is my first concert. 
the podcast. Dave Lee here. Brianna's here. Pete Eckerline's here. Pete's our guest today. Pete, any others? Anything we've missed? Obviously, along the, the way? Rolling Stones. They're uh, one of my all-time favorites, and uh, I've seen them a number of times as well. And I think I saw them 30 years ago when they were doing their last tour. <laughs> so uh, they uh, they've yeah. been around forever, and uh, just a uh, huge fan of this. You know, they put on such a great show. And then, of course, it's gonna be hard to. Hard to say anything without mentioning Bruce Springsteen. You know, he's another one I've seen a number of times and uh, uh, love the music. You know, obviously, Clarence Clemens isn't with them anymore. You know, all these bands have uh, different adorations of their yeah. of who they are, and um, you know, they keep substituting people in, and uh, and it's uh, it always seems to work out. The music's still great. You know, you're out in that Excelsior area, and at one time there was, as you know, an amusement park. You know that Rolling Stones. That story about where he they did their first show and it wasn't very well received apparently. And yep. uh, he mentioned it. I think uh, it came up on his last trip to Minnesota that uh, hit the papers and you're probably uh, on the radio and people talking about that concert at the old park out there. And um, I, I was at maybe sixty five, sixty three, sixty seven, something like that. It was a long time ago and uh, pretty neat story. I actually, um, when I was in college, there was a band from Saint uh, Twin Cities called the Phones. And we went to see them. Uh, we were in Chicago and went and saw them. And during their little show at this little underground spot or whatever, um, Mick Jagger was there. He was playing at the Rosemont Horizon the next night, and he just went out looking for some music, and they were able to entice him to come up on stage and play a couple songs with them. <laughs> so it was, it was pretty uh, pretty cool to, to see him. And obviously the history there, and he still keeps going in his 80s. It's, uh, you know, once again, Charlie Watts is gone. So it's crazy the way these bands, you know, they just keep playing. They love the music, and it's, uh, it's all fun. Well, the the story uh, the the story goes that in Excelsior, um, in the song, you can't always get what you want, and I you know it as well as I do. Where he says uh, sings, I went down to the Chelsea drugstore mm-hmm. to get your prescription filled. I was standing in line with Mister Jimmy, and Mister Jimmy was a character at the in that area. And Mister Jimmy, and they ordered the the cherry um, the cherry Coke or the soda, the cherry red, whatever they called it in the song. And uh, he told Mick, you can't always get what you want, but you get what you need. <laughs> Do you know that story? I know I know the song, obviously. I've oh, not heard the story. It's That's a great fantastic. story. In fact, uh, Tom Stewart, who was a reporter at Channel 4 for years, did a two-part series on that. And I'm, I'm going to guess it's on YouTube where he goes through all of the elements of oh, the that's song. that's unbelievable. And, that, that, and you mentioned where the song uh, or where their concert wasn't well-received. And, he, you know, in the, remember in the song, he says, and I went down to the demonstration to get my fair share of abuse, singing, <laughs> we're going to vent our frustration. If we don't, we're going to blow a 50-amp fuse. And I don't know if that was in reference to what you just mentioned, but I'll have, I assume Tom's piece is still on the internet. Yeah, that'd be interesting to check that out. Yeah, so that, but that's what I'm told, and that would be related to Excelsior and the Rolling Stones many, many Years ago. A long time ago. Yeah. yeah, I still think about my favorite song was, maybe because it's one of the first I ever heard of sing, was Tumbling Dice. Oh, sure. And I was downtown and I heard the, you know, it's back when the record stores had either their doors open or they had speakers up. And yeah, it, and entice you to come in and listen. The first time I heard Tumbling Dice, I went, oh man, I ran in there and I, 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 bought, I bought the album. So anyway, and then you talk about bands still going at it. So a couple weeks ago, maybe now, I saw ZZ Top. Wow. And I'm going, there's no way. I saw them as the first concert I ever saw years ago. And I said, there's no way. And they were so 
good. Of course, they've lost one of the guys. Mm-hmm. But they got Elwood that came in, who's been with the band for years, and didn't miss a beat. And they brought out the fur line guitars, you know, from... Oh, yeah, spinning uh, around in that video that they did and stuff. <laughs> and uh, I, I think there was a, a, a magician in the... Uh, I can't think of his name right now, Any Dinah, that helped design that whole thing with the disappearing, dis- uh, because I knew a guy in our office was friends with him, and they got tickets to the show because he designed that whole thing where their guitars would spin and disappear during the show. No time. kidding. Absolutely. That's a guy from Edina. I had read that the video legs really re- reignited their career, and they've been, you know, they've really been relevant ever since. But they were, s- my point is, and you're going to see the Temptations. Otis is still in the band. I just saw them last uh, two oh, nights ago. Two okay. nights ago, the Temptations and the Beach Boys were playing, and Otis Williams is still there, 80 years old. He said, in fact, he said, I'm 80, and I'm dancing up here with these young guys. And then he sat down <laughs> on a stool after about 60 minutes, and that was good. And then Mike Love's 81 for the Beach Boys. I can't believe uh, that. They were there, and, I mean, they just, it's unbelievable. He's, you know, in the next 20 years, we're going to lose a lot of uh a lot of the real talent, and um, I would have guessed the Stones would be done now, and they just keep no. playing, and it's and it's so good. You know, it's it's uh, funny when you talk about um, uh, ZZ Top. When I was in high school, I worked also at the A and W Drive in our hometown, and I can't verify this for sure, but one of the girls was one of the car hops. Uh, there's a car there with Texas plates, and. They said he gave him a hundred. Gave you know back then I was making a buck seventy six an hour and gave her a hundred dollar tip and they said compliments to ZZ Top and apparently they were up fishing or hunting up in northern Wisconsin and they had driven through and stopped for a root beer and you know obviously I went outside back then they were just starting out and stuff but I'd heard of the band and stuff and uh, I don't know if it was true or not but the it's a she, great had, story. she had a hundred dollar bill and someone gave it to her so it was a pretty pretty neat deal well I don't know if the story about little Jimmy is true either but I love it I, love I, it. I exactly. absolutely love it exactly well they sound a great tool I told Brianna after the show I said man they just I couldn't get over how good they were yeah I can imagine yeah and you know uh they played out at the Lake Fest or whatever the thing out in uh, Wyzetta here yeah. um, two years ago maybe and right after the uh, one one gentleman had passed away and they were really good my office was right across from there and it was interesting three years ago right before COVID started we were there I'm sitting at work I've got my you know right over we overlooked the Minnetonka area there and the sliding glass door is open and I hear the start of Hotel California and I'm thinking what's this all about and Bernie Layden was the warm-up act for the show that year at the Beach Bash, they called it, and he was doing a pre, you know, sound check or whatever, and he's playing the riffs, you know, because obviously I'm sure he plays that song in his, yeah. in his show. So I'm sitting there and thinking, somebody's playing music out there, and I look out, and they got the stage, and there's Bernie Layton. He's playing out there. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, him and Randy Meisner were the originals, weren't they, in that, mm-hmm. in that band? Yeah, and it's ironic. Randy Meisner came from Poco, and Timothy Schmidt, when he took his spot in the band, he was also from Poco, so it's kind of a... And a crazy deal well, with these Poco bands. had some guy, Richie uh, Foray, was, he was in that band too, I think, wasn't he? At Poco at one time, at George Grantham, if I remember right. They had a powerhouse Yeah, band. a lot of talent. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was uh, kind of at a point where that music, and that's why it was cool that the Eagles broke through, because if you like country rock, as they called it then, mm-hmm. the Burrito Brothers, uh, you know, whoever it was, uh, Poco, um, I don't know if they really had a, a radio station that would be played on. I don't know if there was a radio station. There wasn't station enough of it that would play that all the time. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, so they got they got their due after that, and that's the beauty of, of podcasting. And, and um, 
what we have now, Spotify or with Apple and everything else. So right. Well, so be it. Anything? And what am I leaving out, Pete? Not a lot. I love going to concerts. I've been to a bunch, and um, you know, I don't think I've been to many that I don't like. I mean, you know, you can always go and have fun, and the people, and the, you know, it's it's fun. You run into people that love music as much as you. And we go to a lot of local music too, whether it be at Chan Hassan or out at the Medina Ballroom. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever. <clears throat> there's just there's the bunkers. There's the just palace. The palace. There's yep. just great music around, and. Um, and some of these cover bands, you can't tell the difference from the, you know, whether it be uh, Thunderstruck for ACDC. I mean, there's so many of them that yeah. are so good. It's uh, it's great. So I try to get out as often as I can. Now that I'm retired, i got a little more time to do that. My kids are a little older, and they're enjoying it with me. So it's kind of fun. Well, I took my daughter to see the Beach Boys and the Temptation. I mean, you may never get a chance to see the Temptations again, whatever version it is. Yeah. We sent a couple lucky winners to that show, or a few lucky winners to that show, actually. They were very grateful. So thanks, Grandstand, again, for those Beach Boys and Temptation tickets. I do want to ask you, Dave always brings up the U2 show in the rain. At the University of Minnesota. Right. And so there's kind of, obviously, you have your favorite bands and what you're excited to see, but is there a concert experience that you had where it's just super memorable and very special like that? Well, I was actually at that same concert. Oh, okay. I remember those guys come walking in. They just walked down like they're just coming to the show. It was a great start. <laughs> yeah. Everybody is soaked and raining. Uh, you know, it's it's funny. One concert that I saw that really was memorable and kind of a, it's not a huge act or whatever, but years ago we went up to Hinkley to see Sticks and Boston. And it was after uh, Brad Delk, the lead singer of Boston, had passed away. And uh, anyways, we went to see him, and I think Tom Schultz, the leader of the band, but uh, the lead singer, we're, we had great seats, and actually there was a bunch of Vikings there, Steve Hutchin, a bunch of, of them had gone up, uh, taken a busload or a van full of guys up there, and um, they were there. But this lead singer for Boston, he's animated, he's waving to us, you know, I said, this is really unique for a guy that leads a big band. Well, I find out it's one of his very first shows. He was a purchasing or accounting manager at Home Depot <laughs> in Charlotte. And after Brad Delk died, back then we didn't have YouTube. It was MySpace. He had posted a tribute because he was in a tribute band to him. And Brad Delk's daughter saw it and told the band, you've got to have this guy come to Boston. Mm-hmm. He flipped there. And so we saw him in one of his very first shows, Tommy DiCarlo. And he's now been for 15 years or so the uh, lead for Boston. They're not touring right now, but he's touring. And he was actually here in the Twin Cities recently and played out at uh, one of the venues. And it was just really neat. We're up close. And then Sticks was really tight. I mean, the songs, it was just just a great show. And it, it was it was so much fun. Ran into a lot of Twin Cities people there and um, you know, really close to the action outdoors. It was just a great summer night. Sometimes it's just a very special night, and it's just all the elements kind of come together. So that's really cool. Yeah, You know, you, you made me think of a film that came out around uh, the turn of the century, 2000, 2001, called Rockstar, Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, yes. Jennifer and Aniston. That, and that was about a tribute singer. Yeah. Uh, and although I don't think they ever said it was, I believe it was really based on the Judas Priest story. I think it I was. I think you are correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I saw that. It was it was a great show. Comes up the black letter Wahlberg, and he's driving the Cadillac around. You know, it just showed how the excess got to him. He originally started out yeah. as Joe Sixpack, great guy, in a little house band, and then how it all changed him. And then at the end, he went back to his roots and uh, left the band and just doing his own thing again. It was kind yeah. of a, kind of an interesting That's story. That's an underrated movie. I agree. <laughs> yeah, agree. doesn't get yeah. enough due. Yep, and it, did it, on this podcast. Yeah, and it's it it was uh, if you've liked Judas Priest, 
breaking the law, breaking the law. You then you go. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I feel like they're here yeah. when I hear that. <laughs> I like you got another thing coming. I uh, yeah, I've seen them a few times, uh, and they're all they were always good in concert. I saw them open for Metallica and people like that. But anyway, I'm digressing. The cool thing about ZZ Top is they stop and have a root beer in small town Wisconsin. When you were working at the A&W, were you serving those nice big quarts of root beer people would buy that? Absolutely. That was like the biggest treat as a kid. You'd come home with one of those quarts of root beer. Couldn't drink the whole thing or I couldn't. Oh, it's unbelievable. And the mama burgers and the papa, papa burgers and the teen burgers and the baby burgers and the baby <laughs> beers. And well, it was all fun. I still have my baby beer mugs because my grandpa used to take me. So it was a very special thing. Absolutely. So I still have them. But I recently like uncovered them and I couldn't believe how small they were. Yeah. And they just felt so great as a kid. But in just proportion size with today, I just don't think it's that just would like fly. It's just like a shot. Yeah, it's, it's just like a, like a shot, shot of beer. Yeah, that's and what it's like. And I thought it was like. the best thing ever. <laughs> yeah. It was good, yeah. Well, cool stuff, good memories. It's easy top, I thought about. You know, we saw him out at Mystic Lake, and, of course, uh, my wife, who you know well, is yes. gets up and kind of starts dancing. And, and then they said, nah, everybody kind of sit down so we can all see the show. Not so much to her, but everybody that was dancing up front, I thought it was cool. You know, everybody wants to dance, but on the other hand, they want everybody to be able to see the show. And remember, and you may, I thought about that because in festival seating, you know, it didn't matter. Well, if somebody's up dance in front of you, you know, if you want them to sit down and poke them in the shoulder, they're pretty much going to probably get a, it's going to turn into a brouhaha. There's going to be somebody punching somebody. <laughs> you know, it's funny, that concert I was at the other night, yeah. it's the same thing, boy. People would stand up all of a sudden their seat and start dancing to My Girl or some of the Temptations, and four other people would tell them to sit down because it's an older crowd now. It's a little harder to get up and down, (laughs) but uh, no, it was fun. You know, one other thing I thought about with that Eagles concert is obviously Joe Walsh had just left the James Gang, yeah, and he was played some of hits. He played Rocky Mountain Way, yeah, and then that's right when he came out with Life's Been Good. And that was probably when you when she was just saying what things do you remember about a concert. That one, he started playing that riff, and, oh, yeah. and and all of a sudden, Darren, Aaron, Aaron, you know, and they jumps off the big boom. He jumps off a speaker, and they said, you know, you guys don't probably don't know Joe Walsh, the Barnstormers, with us, and he played "Life's Been Good," and that was one of the highlights of the concert. Yeah. And actually, Pablo Cruz has a warm up. You know, did love will find a way, and what you gonna do? They, I don't think they've had a hit since, but back then that was uh, they had a couple. Well, and uh, thank goodness for yacht rock radio. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A place in the sun, their yeah. album. But it was interesting because I did not know much about Joe Walsh, and it was it was great to hear him. But years later, they had a XL Energy show, and Rick Bourne, who knew the band, had a pre party. And I'm sitting there, and Joe Walsh and Glenn Fry walk in. Oh my! And I was able to jump in a picture, and I've I've enlisted Rick ever since to try to find it. I don't know who took it or whatever, but it'd be a it'd be a fun one to have. And he's never been able. He says he's got boxes of them from all the shows they've done, but he can't seem to put it together. But yeah, it was really a really a fun thing to see them in concert after hanging out with them for a half hour before the show. When Joe Walsh would come out, and I'm glad you mentioned that in the Eagles. Every time I saw him, crowd favorite. Crowd favorite and Timothy B. Schmidt when he when he would uh, love will find a way he do his little that, deal yeah place would go all the girls nuts. the guys would go to grab a beer and the girls would just start start you know swooning yeah. over them it was always kind of a fun uh, fun <laughs> part of the show yeah the Eagles yeah they they sounded good the last time I heard them sounded great yeah. actually yeah they're really good very dysfunctional yeah sounds like so 
We all got problems. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we all got something going on with us. Well, Pete, it's been great talking to you. It, it, let me know if I've forgotten anything or if you forgot anything. No, thanks for having me. This has been really fun. I love talking. We've talked many times on a personal basis about concerts we've been to and stuff, and it's fun to come on and do the podcast with you. It's a great thing. I enjoy it. And, uh, you know, we run into each other at concerts and stuff, and we always seem to tell stories. And obviously, you've got a lot more than I do because half these people have come on your show over the years. Well, it's just so I think, don't you think, Brianne, we find with every guest, it's almost therapeutic. It's oh. just fun to talk about. It brings back memories. You're thinking about your buddies, maybe yeah. the car, hitchhiking, getting soaked, and loving it. Yeah. I don't think right now, if you went and you took your uh, lovely wife, Martha, with you, that. She'd be real thrilled sitting out in the rain watching a rock and roll think, show. I don't think she would even, she didn't even make it through the U2 concert. So, no, it would not have been good. I have a great picture at home with the U2 concert with these, and I took it, these five or six guys peering through one of the little holes at the stadium. It was just after they built it. Because remember, they had to cancel before we talked about this like a year and a half because Bono got hurt on a bike. Mm -hmm. But there were like six of them trying to look in. Rain's just pouring <laughs> down. You can see them. Remember the lightning off? The, but you... They the, kept the, going. They just kept going. It yeah. was great. And it's amazing in that big stadium, the sound they put out with just four people. I mean, you see these bands with yeah. all these extras, nine, ten people. Four, uh, I mean, he's on the guitar there, the edge or whatever. He just, I mean, it's incredible. And the pilots could say they could see the stage from when they fly over. Remember how the stage was massive. Were was you at huge. that one, Brian? No, no, I wish. I've never seen you two, but it's kind of on the bucket list. I would like to. It was good. Yeah. Good show. Good stuff. And it, yeah, and I'm even, this, these cover bands have become a thing, haven't they? Mm -hmm. The Tom Petty one I've seen twice this summer already. Wow. Yeah, and we'll have what we got a we're going to have a petty head join us here in a few weeks on the show too. A good friend who's been to I don't know how many Tom Petty concerts. Yeah, I've seen him a few times but not uh, you know, obviously, you know, I was, I was watching the Traveling Wilburys uh the end of the line the other night, the video, and yeah. think of all those guys that are gone. You know, who would who would ever think Bob Dylan would be one of the few guys still alive in that group? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No kidding. You Orbison. Know, and ELO and uh, yeah, Harrison. Orbison. George Harrison. Yeah. 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 Well, that, Petty. And, who would have guessed Petty? Would, I mean, it's just crazy. No. Uh, remember George Harrison? Oh, while my, my guitar gently weeps. Yeah. They were all on stage, and then Prince starts playing that. Remember that? Mm-hmm. That's well. That's another one you can see on YouTube where you just you if you didn't know Prince could play guitar, <laughs> you're going to shake your head at the end of that one. Yeah, absolutely. Pete, I'll let you go, or I will keep reminiscing here for a long time. Really appreciate you coming on the show, though. Thank you very much. It's great. Yeah, Bree, uh, um, Pete. I'm glad you got a chance to meet him, Pete Eckerline. Of course, he's a former managing director of Eckerline Wealth Management, and just recently. Decided to retire. My guess is that he'd be back at it before we know it again. That's well, thanks for spending time with us. Absolutely. It was, it was, I was looking forward to it all week and it was really fun. So thank you guys. And this is uh, my first concert and it has been brought to you by Propane, the environmentally friendly energy for everyone. Also, our bank right here at Talk North is Star Bank and they're one of the sponsors as well. You go to starbank.net and learn more. This is Dave along with Bree. We'll see you next time on my first concert.